cool. All right, starting in three, two, one. I'm Jeff, he's Brian, and we have 30 minutes to review everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Review Everything, the podcast that dares to ask, which Peanuts character do you most relate to? I'm joined today by the Internet's own, the Internet's darling, Jeff White. How's it going, Jeff? Uh, Pretty good. I wish I related to Linus mostly because he's wise, but I think I'm Charlie Brown. I know I'm Charlie Brown. I have a lot of issues, Brian, and I do not pick out Christmas trees very well. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, uh... I don't know who I would be, honestly. I Pigpen. Pigpen? Pigpen's you think, a smelly one. Am I smelly? No, no. You're uh you're probably you're probably the um you're probably Schroeder. Schroeder? Who's Schroeder? He's the one who plays the piano and is a little pretentious. Okay. I I can I can relate with the pretentious note, but I don't play <laughs> yeah. piano. Also, if you hear my daughter banging on my door back there, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That's just where I'm at in life. I have a small house, uh, and I'm married and have a daughter. So you got to lay down the law, Brian. <laughs> okay, I'll just keep it down. There you yeah. go. No, I I do not take that advice because I don't do that. Okay, that would be a disaster. Hey, so um, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. Uh, we're recording yeah. a couple episodes back to back here. Because what? I know. I know. It's crazy. Because we haven't been able to put out one episode in the last three years. So we have time to do a couple today. So we figured we might as well just churn a bunch of them out. We figured we'd do 50 today. <laughs> right. And then... But I, uh, I nailed the intro compared to the last episode. Way better. You did, yeah. Way I noticed better. that. I, I I didn't even mention how you didn't nail the intro the last time. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I let it. Yeah. I let it slide. You did. You're you're a generous co-host. <laughs> yeah. No, you did really well. Hey, so what what do we have on the slate today, Jeff? As far as the uh, show it, goes, it's our uh, late Christmas gift breakdown. This is uh, we're recording this in mid January. So what? Why the why a, what would be a better time? Uh, than to talk about Christmas in mid-January. Um, I, I did not. I, agree. I, I did. I did not nail that. By the way, um, <laughs> that's okay. I'll let it slide. Thank you. Oh yeah. my god, I appreciate that so much. Um, so we figure we talk about the Christmas gifts that we that we got. Uh, real brief. I mostly asked for board games this year. Um, super super into board games lately. Um, just with. Uh, with the baby and everything, it's been, it's just a nice, quiet thing that Cynthia and I can do at the end of the day. And, uh, and we can have a lot of fun and interact beyond just watching television Mm -hmm. and in a way that where we don't have to leave the house. So, um, so the kids and by the kids, I mean, my wife bought this for me and she signed the kid's name. Um, clever names, but, uh, the gifts, the kids got me scythe. Uh, which is a new game that came out recently. Um, Cynthia got me Shadows Over Camelot, 
um, which we've I haven't played Scythe yet, but we played Shadows over Camelot, and it's it's really really good. Um, my parents got me uh, Robinson Crusoe. This is still like, a board game. These are all board games. Yeah, yeah. Robinson Crusoe's a uh, a cooperative game that's supposed to be very very hard. And uh, and then Cynthia as a stocking stuffer. She got me uh, Dolores, which is this small card game. Is it like a Westworld kind of type thing? Dolores is uh, it's like a pirate thing. Wow. Like you're 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 divvying up your um, your basically uh, uh, the the spoils of your of your latest uh, uh, whatever plunders. Plunders, that's the word I was looking for. You give me pirates and I'm immediately uninterested. Um, it's you know what? She she bought it on a whim. I had never heard of it before, and it's pretty fun. Okay. It's pretty fun. The the theme the theme is not heavy. You could you could basically put you know any kind of theme on top of this game. Okay. And then um and then for my parents and my sister, I got uh the two Twin Peaks books that have uh, accompanied the return of Twin Peaks. So uh, overall, I got some great gifts this year. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the um, the first two board games. What what are the what are those? What's the deal with that? So Scythe is like um, it's takes place. The theme of it is that it takes place in the 1920s in this like alternate history with like mechs and a lot of technology. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, and and the the world has been ravaged by war, and each player gets to play as a different faction, and it's like an area control game where you're trying to control as much area as possible. But you you would think that there would be a lot of like fighting and everything, but you, if I understand correctly, because we haven't played yet, you win by having the most money, and it's going to be easier to generate more money, I think depending on how popular you are in the region. And the more that you fight with other people and wage war on other people, the less popular you're going to be. So the, while the artwork looks really cool, the art, the artwork, in, in fact, they did it kind of backwards, I guess, where they created the artwork and then based a game around the artwork, which sounds like it shouldn't work. Um, but the artwork is the big selling point of it. It's a really, really big game. Um, There's like dudes but, writing like yaks and stuff and tigers and bears. Like <laughs> there's a dude riding a yak and there's a lady riding a bear. This is sweet. I'm in. It looks it looks really cool. We're actually going to sit down tonight and Cynthia and I are going to try to figure out how to play it. Oh, there's these giant, giant, rusty, junky looking mechs with machine gun arms and uh, I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> I love cool. and, I love robots. And and I love how you know war and fighting is definitely something you can take advantage of, but there are negative consequences to it. Okay. It, it seems like again, huh. I haven't I haven't played the game yet, uh -huh. but uh but I kinda I kinda like it. It's yeah, not the typical, this looks awesome. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And then uh, Shadows Over Camelot's a cooperative game where you're the Knights of the Round Table and you're trying to... It's almost like the game is built up into a bunch of separate mini-games that they call Quest. Okay. And uh, and all the while, bad things are happening in each one of these quests and you and your group have to kind of dart around to different areas and try to win those quests before you before they're lost, more or less. And uh, and you basically you do this by 
managing a hand of cards that's secret from everybody else, even though you're playing cooperatively because it's up to seven players. And before you play, there are eight what they call loyalty cards. And in those eight cards is a trader card. So for every game, there's always the possibility that one of the players is playing to lose. And um, and you never know it. And there may be a game where no one's the trader. And so all the while, you're questioning everybody else's motives. And, you know, if they've done something stupid that they... Are they the trader or did they just do something stupid? Right. Yeah, that's and, interesting. Um, it's really cool. And, the, and the, just the, the kind of mechanics of the game and everything are... Um, are just built around, you know, doing things in secret. And you just have to trust that people will trust you and, and that you're doing the right thing. Um, so anyways, it, it's, it's really cool. There are a bunch of cool games and, uh, and we're, we've only played Dolores so far in shadows over Camelot, but we're excited to play the other two. Nice. Sounds fun. Uh, what'd you get, Brian? Uh, not a ton, to be honest with you. Um, I find that as as you get older, you know, you start to realize that uh, Christmas is really expensive. And oh yeah, Katie and I kind of made a pact a while ago to really only spend like fifty bucks on each other. That's admirable. Yeah, and um, I got some stuff from uh, family members and stuff, but I wound up getting a lot of like Amazon gift cards and Katie got me some clothes, which was desperately needed because I always talk about how I want clothing, but then I never actually buy it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 No, I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, but some of the, some of the highlights that I got um, from, let's see here. Let me pull up my list. Um, so from Katie's side of the family, I, I'm not sure what this says about me, but they got me a lot of things that relate to drinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So I have a, um, I have a pound of bent tree coffee cause this wouldn't be an episode of review everything if we didn't talk about how much we love bent tree. Yes. Um, that's they, the best. There's a 90, 90 point coffee they had had in there according to i think it's coffeereviews.com wow um it's 16 dollars for three quarters of a pound which hey you know what for really good coffee maybe this makes me a snob i think that's a pretty good deal yeah and it's not something that you're buying every time at least i'm not right um right so as a as a treat it's pretty good um so i have a cup of it here Um, is this your first taste? Uh, no, I actually had oh. some of it this morning. Okay. Um, oh my god! I wish good. I was here. It's pretty good. I wish I would. I wish I would have been able to come up there in person so I could have had some of this coffee. Yeah. Uh, so, gonna give it a, a sniff here. Um, and let's see, a sniff. It's a light roast, of course, because there's no good dark roast out there. That's that's a lie. I don't actually believe that, but I don't like dark roast. Uh, I, I'm I'm moving away from the dark roast a little bit. Yeah, it's a Costa Rican coffee, and it's got some nice natural sweetness to it, and it's also kind of fruity. It's kind of got like a um, I don't know, kind of like a 
not uh let's see like jam like a jelly kind of type thing okay where it's like this like kind of reduced down kind of sweetness that kind of sticks with you okay but yeah it's um it's also got some nice acidity to it so it's kind of juicy juicy tasting as well so that's good uh dig that a lot all right so the next gift i have here is this stuff called uh bitter milk number two it was made in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a it's a non-alcoholic cocktail mixer. So, okay. So not non-alcoholic. Yeah. So you're supposed to like mix it with gin or vodka, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. I'm back on board now. I don't know why you do vodka, but whatever. Um I don't know why anyone would do vodka. It's just sad. <laughs> not a fan. Not, not a, a fan. Not a fan. Um but yeah, so it's it's designed to be uh, like a hopped Tom Collins, so like hops that are in beer. Um, okay, with like some elderflower and elderberry. Um, are you a hops guy? Uh, kind of, a, l- okay. a little bit. Like I don't like when they're excessively used, but I like them a little bit. Um, okay. So it's to make a Tom Collins, which a Tom Collins is gin, lemon juice, and simple syrup. Um, but what we got going on here is it's in this like kind of like brown medicinal looking bottle. It's kind of old timey. Oh, I like which that. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it's made out of lemon juice, water, uh, cane sugar, natural extract of elderflower and elderberry, and centennial hops. So I've, um, I've, I've made a little sampler here. To give a whirl, you can kind of hear the ice clinking around in here. It's very good. Uh, so authenticity, right there. On on the nose, it smells boozy because there's booze in it. Uh, it kind of has like a grapefruit kind of smell going on. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh. I paired it with New Amsterdam gin. So it's got kind of a nice bitterness from from the hops in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just get like a lot of botanicals as well. So, Oh, botanicals. Botanicals, yeah. Cause there's, I, li- I like that. There's gin, you know, which is really floral, but also mm-hmm. there's like the whole elderflower thing going on in here as well. So pretty good, pretty good. So bitter milk, I've liked that a lot. You have to refrigerate it, which to me that says, hey, this is like a real thing. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Is um, it the milk? It's the milk aspect of it. Is it a dairy product? There's no milk in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they uh, call it bitter milk. Okay. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so the next thing I have here is another mixer that my brother-in-law got me called Seed Lip. Seed Lip. Seed Lip. Is this alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Uh, distilled non-alcoholic spirits. Ooh, spirits. This do you is, think that's a little? Do you think it's a little pretentious when people use the word spirits? Um, I don't know. I like it. I like it, but I think it might be a little pretentious. Spirits makes me sound like I'm. Um, you know, like I'm on the Titanic or something, you know? Yeah. It's like when people call a bar a pub in America. See, I, know? I think there's a distinction there, though. 
a place, a pl- like a bar that I want to eat at, I would call a pub. That's true. You know? Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, there's a certain, there's a certain thing with the pub, you know, they have like nice, nice bar food, you know? I feel like a booth. Yeah. I, when I think absolutely. of, when I think of uh, pubs, I think of a bar with booths. Yeah. Booths? Booth, booths. <laughs> booths or booths? Booths. <laughs> anyway, seed lip, spice 94. Uh, it says wood, spice, and citrus. So uh, we're, we're piling on the pretentiousness here because on the, on the label here, it says the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits. You know, they're, they're going as far to claim they're the world's first. Sure, whatever. A complex aromatic blend of bark, spices, and citrus peels distilled using traditional methods and botanicals documented documented in the Art of Distillation published in London in 1651. So they're they're getting after it here. Do you know how, if I was going to buy you a drink, do you know how I would know that you would be into it? Is if in the description, some of the taste were non-food items like bark. (laughs) Right. I mean, anything, anything like naturey that has to do with yeah. bark or flowers, like you, you would be super into. Absolutely, it. and I, I think, um, well, I feel like bark. That's something that, like, you know, they would eat on these survival shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. out of necessity, you're buying it. And I, actually, I think, it, I think it's good though. I think it's good. I'm with you on this. So here's their serving recommendations. Okay. They recommend two ounces over ice with Indian tonic. I don't know what that is. And garnish with a red grapefruit twist. Mm-hmm. And it says on the back what to drink when you're not drinking as like their, as their like tagline. So I'm starting to drink when you're not drinking. I'm starting to think this is supposed to, <laughs> that you're not supposed to mix this. That's, <laughs> that's the impression I'm starting to get here. Well, what, what's the point? I would, you know what? Well, sometimes you want, you know, some sometimes I can appreciate like a nice complex beverage that has yeah. a lot of, you know, the notes that you would get in like an alcohol, but you don't want something alcoholic. That's true. So, I guess. I guess there's a market for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna taste a sip here. I regardless, I made a little drink with gin. Okay. It's good. That's good. <laughs> it's, do, do you seed lip versus bitter milk? Which is better? Uh, I like the bitter milk a little bit more because I really like citrus. Uh huh. This is really interesting though. It has a lot of those like wood notes in it. Um, yeah. And it goes well with the gin because there's a lot of um, kind of has almost like a peppery kind of thing going on. And, okay. Um, it's it's a it's a more complex thing to drink than the gin and the bitter milk. If that makes sense. I'm with it. It's yeah, a little harder to discern you. what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, okay. But the seed seed lip is pretty good. Do not have to refrigerate it though, so I don't know what that means. That's a plus. It's more uh, efficient. But it says to drink within 12 weeks of opening, so. Time to suck it down, I guess. Yeah. 
12 weeks is a pretty good range. It's not too bad. Yeah. There's a... I'm drinking this a little bit more. There's something going on here. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a peppery, like a peppery, woody, uh, leathery kind of thing. Um, you like uh, a worn boot bottom. Yes, like a warm boot bottom. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that's been hike uh, hiking boots. Yeah, it's a hiking boot. <laughs> right. So those are my reviews. What do you What do you have, Jeff? Um, well, I have I have one other game. We bought this game uh, for our son Eli um, called Santorini. It's a it's a board game, and as Eli's getting older. He wants to play more games with us. Santorini. And, uh, that's that's uh that's like in Italy, right? I believe so. I believe so because there's a um, ties to mythology. It's a mythology themed game. Pardon me, Greece. Greece. Oh, which would make more sense with the mythology. I just tried to talk out of my butt there for a second. There's, like, yes. Oh, yes, of I, course. I think you're right. Yes, Italy. I believe there's also a map in Overwatch that is based on this location okay so there you go well well this game uh it's so we we bought a form because what we want is we want to buy games that are uh scaled down to where he can play them and be competitive but are also fun for us um and that's not a huge market and so we saw this game was for ages eight plus and it was uh it was reviewed really highly. Mm, okay. And, and, it, and it wasn't labeled as a kid's game. So we thought, we'll buy this for him. And the funny thing is, we've, we've played it now quite a bit since Christmas, and we like it as much as he does. Um, hmm, it's a really, okay. really great game. It's, play, it's so simple. It's played on a grid. Okay. And the, the point of the game is you have these, um, these four kind of uh, uh, three-dimensional like these blocks that stock on stack on top of each other and uh and they make a tower mm-hmm. and uh and you have to move your character you uh you basically you you move then build that's your turn you move on the on the board and then you build a piece and you do you you do both of those things you don't make a choice right you do both of those things each turn and uh and you can move on, like I said, it's on a grid. And so you can move on any of the neighboring spaces next to diagonally or laterally. And then you can also build in that same range. Um, and you can jump up to the first story. And then from the first story to the second, from the second to the third, you can't go from like the ground to the second floor. Okay. And uh, the point is just to get one of your two characters on the third floor. Um, and there's a fourth piece that you can lay, which is a blue dome. And basically, once that dome is on top of the building, no one can ever get on the third floor. It kind of it kind of blocks it off. Okay. It sounds simple. It sounds like it should be really, really easy. But as you you move your character around, your you know half of your moves are really just blocking the other person, right, from doing what they need to do. And so it becomes really hard. And uh, you can you can block people in because you have two characters that you can move and you can only move one per turn. So um, you can 
you can block one of the your opponents, you know, into a corner and basically, you know, kill off that character more or less. And um, and so it's kind of like chaotic chess or chaotic checkers in a way. Okay, it has that kind of feel to it. But what really makes the game shine is that it comes with thirty um, gods from mythology. Uh, these thirty god cards. And they have basically special abilities. So once you've got used to the base game, you can uh, you can play with these special abilities, and they're you know they're like you know some of them about ten of them are really simple, and about twenty of them are are really complicated. Um, but some of the simple ones are like you know you can you can build a piece of the building underneath you, or you can uh, you know you can build twice. Um, some of the more complicated ones prohibit somebody else from doing something. It's like, I don't know, it might be something like if you build the third part of a story, your opponent can't build a third story on their next turn or something like that. Um, And so what's really cool is that the different combination of God cards that you use will make a really, really different game each time. So of all the different combinations you can play with 30 different characters, um, it adds a lot of variety. So it's, it's really hmm. fun, uh, really good for adults. I would buy, I would recommend this to couples because it plays best, I think, with two people. Okay. Um, so if you're a couple and you don't have kids, it's still a really, really great game. And um, uh, it's also a great game for kids. Uh, I think Target bought the rights to sell it in their store. So you can buy it at Target. You can buy it on Amazon. It's like 30 bucks. Um, and, and a really great game. I mean, probably one of the best games that we own. And, uh, and it's Eli's game. It's not even ours. So It seems like it's one of those games that uh, kind of changes a lot every time you play it. Yes, yeah. And that, that's kind of what we go for with games. Is it going to give us a lot of variety? Um, because we play so often. And this fits in that area solidly. I, um, <clears throat> while you were talking there, Jeff, I combined mm-hmm. the um, gin with bitter milk and the gin with seed lip into one yeah. a, a bitter, bitter seed lip milk combo. Oh, how is that? It's pretty good. I think it's the way okay. to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's pretty good. Well, very nice since you got both of them for Christmas. Yeah. So. Uh, board games, folks. Yeah, all we, about the board we games. We like them. Yeah, sense. board games. Real good stuff. Here's here's um, something I'm looking for in a board game here, Jeff. Yeah. I have not been able to figure it out, or I wouldn't have people to play it with anyway. But I want a D&D-like, a Dungeons & Dragons-like experience over the oh, course man. of like maybe one to two hours. Uh-huh. With the combat and maybe some of the story, and then that's it, you know. Because we had a D and D group for a while, and we did. It was fun, but it just felt like you had to put like a minimum of four hours in to like even do anything. Have Have you heard of legacy games? No. Oh my god. So okay. So there's two different options for you. One is legacy games, and the the biggest ones are Pandemic Legacy. There are only a few of these games out. Um, so pandemic are you familiar with the game pandemic? Yes, it's uh scientists saving the world. 
Right. You know, you're fighting diseases. It's a cooperative game. Well, a few years ago, they came out Pandemic Legacy Season 1, and they just released Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Both are really good. Uh, it's about 24 sessions. Um, they, it takes place over 12 months. And uh, each game is just a few hours long. And what happens is there are certain elements of the game. I guess I've, I haven't played it yet. It's on our list. Um, but uh, certain it comes with like these envelopes, I guess. And after a certain point, you have to open up the envelope and it gives you a story to follow. There are things that happen on the board, I believe, with like stickers or something that changes the board as you go along. You okay. kind of you play you play it once. Once you've played it once, you, you can't play it again because it involves tearing up cards. Uh, characters die off. It's it's basically like a board game and a story. Um, and then they have these games, basically dungeon crawling games like this. Like the big one right now is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, okay. Gloomhaven, which is like a hundred and twenty bucks or something like that. It's going out in retail soon. It was a Kickstarter, and. Uh, and basically, it's like D&D in a box. Um, and there's a big story, and you follow it along, and you play it in sessions. Um, I don't think Gloomhaven, because of the price and the commitment, I don't know that it's one that Cynthia and I would play. Now, if we used to lived up in Kent, and there was someone else like you who was really into that idea, I think it might be different. Interesting. But, um, but anyways, yeah, there's, there's a big market out there for that kind of stuff. And it's a growing market too. Yeah, I yeah I agree because I yeah I don't know my time is limited and I I just can't commit to just you know a group that meets every week for four hours like that's just not realistic for me. We we have a D and D group here and it's it we'll we'll go a few months on occasion yeah. without much activity but it gets uh, we make it work. Uh, we get like three hours max in usually, though. Right. Uh, our DM is really good. He prepares really well. He's awesome. And uh, and he's kind of like down to business when we start. But sometimes we do get sidetracked. And because we're only playing a few hours a session, sometimes not a whole lot happens. Right. <laughs> but Because you really do. I mean, to get a good D&D session, you usually do need like four hours or so, yeah. which is increasingly harder to do. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, let's see. What do we have next? Uh, uh, oh, wrestling bullcrap. Oh, right. my goodness. Okay. Uh, all right, here's this. Let's do this. Let's oh, okay, let's do it, Jeff. <laughs> all right, Brian. Yes, Brian, right. Let's do this. All right, uh, wrestling bullcrap. It's a game we're going to play. I, Brian, I'm going to read you uh, five Things in wrestling. In this case, we did we did gimmicks in the past. Today, I'm going to give you gimmick matches. Okay, five gimmick matches. Four of these. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So I remember in the past you had given yeah. me. It was like a gimmick, uh, like character gimmick. Character gimmicks. Yes. So yeah, I remember something. Of, I don't know. I re- I remember it just being completely, <laughs> completely insane. So now we're I, talking I, gimmick matches. Gimmick matches, yeah. And and there are five, I'm going to read you five ridiculous gimmick matches. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background on each of them. Four of these are are real. They are uh, potentially, Wait, four of these are hold, real. No, hold, hold on here. So, yeah. 
Can yeah. I ask why uh do we care about wrestling? Like why are we talking about wrestling? Oh, I love wrestling. I'm a big fan. Okay. Let me ask is that, is it, Let me yeah, okay. Let me ask you this. Uh-huh. I yeah. loved res- wrestling to me was at its best when it was just a huge circus. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even trying to be um wasn't trying to fool you. In the 2000s, when I, when I watched in high school and middle school, I felt like it was a soap opera for men. And I kind of liked it best when I remember being young and just seeing, like, it's just goofy. The Macho Man was goofy. Uh, there was a dude with a snake. You know, Jake the Snake. Jake the snake. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just kind of goofy and not trying to be... More than what it was. There's still dudes, you know, jumping off of cages onto other people and stuff. Like, that's really cool. Uh, yep. I just liked it when it was a little goofier and it was kind of a little more circus-like. I think it's still pretty goofy. Has it not, gone, not, at, not as goofy. Has it gone in that direction at all? Um, I, I'll admit I do not pay as close attention as I used to. Um, but... Uh, I'd say, yeah, I'd say that at least in WWE, they they keep it solidly goofy. Okay, because for a while there, I felt like they were kind of smelling their own farts a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the, these, I'm going to read you. The, if you like the goofy stuff, this is right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. I'm going re- to read you five, five gimmick matches. Four of these were totally bona fide or real. I'm not making any aspect <laughs> of it up. Okay. One of these is completely fake, and you are going to have to decide which one's a fake one. But but new twist, Brian. Okay. One of these might not be fake. They might all be real. <laughs> okay. From from now on, I'm throwing that out there that they might I they might all be totally real. <laughs> kind of like shadows over Camelot, right? There might be a traitor in there. Maybe not. Right. So, right. It's your standard. Uh... Your standard shadows over Camelot thing. Exactly. Yeah, I think everyone can relate to that reference. Uh, uh, you okay? So, in the in review yeah. everything of of your of past years. Uh huh. You always gave me so much so much crap for being a pretentious <laughs> butthole. Yeah. Uh huh. I think you might now be a pretentious board game butthole. Oh, it's so bad. It's really, yeah. it's, we, I want to say that Cynthia and I, my wife and I have gone off the deep end with this thing. I've gone off the deep end and she's been willing to follow me down there. It's mostly me driving the bus. Um, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, we, we have, our, our collection is growing. That's and, kind of fun. Uh, it's, it's nice to have a hobby together. Yeah, and and really that was a big thing because we we enjoyed D and D so much, but the thing was we couldn't play it as often as we'd like to. So we found these games, which a lot of these games owe a lot to D and D, right? I think, and so it's kind of uh, it's it's been a nice thing to get into. I think if it wasn't for her, I I would it wouldn't be a thing that happened because right. otherwise it'd just be a bunch of games that I had and I played with no one, right? But, anyway, uh, anyway, sorry, I keep taking us off track here. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine, but Brian. 
These are all potentially real things that were thought up and acted out by grown adults who are responsible enough to do things like pay a mortgage and drive <laughs> a car in public. I want you to remember that, okay? Okay, okay. The first one, are you ready? Yeah. We're starting off with a bang here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Dog poo match. Dog, dog poo match. Dog poo match. Dog poo match. By the way, I'm not. These were all gimmick matches in in like high profile companies, like on television, not in like a like a, a little independent thing in front of twenty people at a at a VFW hall or something <laughs> like that. These are all these all happened in arenas. Like we're talking, dog. we're talking WCW or WWF here, right? Correct. Yeah. Dog poo match. The Rock versus the British Bulldog. Uh, so here's a- <laughs> All no right. Googling. Yeah. No, let's let's hear it. No Googling. No Googling. No, no, Googling. Googling. no cheating. So here's the premise, Brian. It's 1999, and the British Bulldog is a real big jerk. A real, a real poopy guy, if you get my drift. So the Rock challenges him to a dog poo match. This is, this is real? Allegedly? Maybe, maybe. You, this is for you to decide. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> he challenges them to a dog poo match where a tray of dog poo lies in the middle of the ring, and the winner can only secure his victory by slamming his opponent into the dog poo. <laughs> Both guys had long, successful careers oh. in wrestling, but this wasn't a high point for either. The Rock won, by the way. Rock bottom in the poop, Brian. <laughs> Is this something that the British Bulldog had to have come up with this, right? Um, I can't I can't remember what what the setup was, but I think I think an element of it was that dog poop, he's a dog. Is um, this um is this like a post Malone absolutely has hit rock bottom, or is this like is there something six months out from now that's even worse than this? Uh oh, like in their feud? Well, you, you had said I feel I feel like just in general, in a career, if you have a dog poop match, that's rock bottom. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I'd say that was probably a probably the worst moment for both these guys. Yeah, okay. I would say. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, number two, custody battle ladder match. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio had a storied history. A friendship and rivalry that spanned mm-hmm. decades and promotions. So in 2005, WCW or WWE decided to take their feud to a new level by putting it all on the line. And by it, I mean Ray's son, Dominic. That's right, Brian. And a move that surely would hold up in court. WWE <laughs> had do- they, they hung Dominic's custody papers uh, above a ladder. The winner would need to grab the paperwork, thus solidifying their status as Dominic's legal father. Uh, Rey Mysterio won when uh, Eddie Guerrero's wife interfered in the match. Yeah, on on uh, Rey's behalf. Uh, <clears throat> this gets in the territory of dumb for me. It's too stupid. It's too. It's too. It's too. Uh, like, it's too male soap opera. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, it's, it's real dumb. It, it's hard to suspect. You can believe two guys fighting and trying to trying to like dump poop on each other. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. I'm all in with that. 
the custody battle thing leaves a little like a logistical question to where you go, wait a second. <laughs> right. Hold it's the, it's the phone. That's just stupid. See if you remember this one, Brian. Uh, the Wicker Man match. <laughs> All right. I'm in already. <laughs> in 2006, WWE partnered up with Warner Brothers for, to promote the Nicolas Cage remake of Wicker Man. Uh, Usually this would involve a quick celebrity appearance, but in this case it involved the Wicker Man itself. Uh, WWE organized an outdoor match in which the Undertaker battled Edge next to an enormous Wicker Man statue. The winner, which ended up being Edge, had to stick his opponent in the Wicker Man and light it on fire. The Undertaker, of course, rose from the dead months later. In addition to being a convoluted match, though, it also spoiled the ending of the movie, which always seemed a little stupid to me. (laughs) Now, this is the one with Nicolas Cage uh, getting his head forced into a, a container with a bunch of bees, right? The bees, the bees, not the bees. Yeah, that's the one. Bees. Now, now, now the the original Wicker Man is great. It's one of the it's one of the great um, horror movies of all time. And, okay. and that and that it's not gross or involved monsters. It's like, have you ever seen it? No, I have not. Oh, you should watch the original. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Just just kind of messed up. Yeah, the, the remake was just like kitschy. Stuff. I mean, you know, the kind of movie that you would promote during a wrestling show. <laughs> right. You know. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that one's real. Okay. Okay. Um two two more to go. I feel like all of these have been real so far. Okay. Also, <clears throat> um how many times has the Undertaker died and come back to life? Like they gotta stop doing that. Uh, yeah, it's he, happened a bunch of he's, times. He's done that a number of times, I feel. You'd think people would stop trying to kill him. You would think. It's not working out. All right. Uh, number four. This will, this will put, push the limitations of, of believability here. Uh, Viagra on a pole match. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This was uh, Shane Douglas versus Billy Kidman. This was in uh, WCW. Shane Douglas had been feuding with Billy Kidman. What? What's was, the? Sorry, what year would this have been? Uh, this would have been in two thousand. Uh, Shane Douglas okay. had been feuding with Billy Kidman, and it was getting real stupid. Uh, this is this. I know it was in two thousand because this was at the end of WCW's, you know, whatever existence. Uh, in, in the feud, there was a sex tape and accusations of an inability to perform in the bedroom. If you catch my grif- drift, Brian. Well, the Viagra is on the end of a pole, so. That would, yeah. Yes. So, uh, uh, so naturally they wrestled in a Viagra on a pole match in which Viagra hung on top of a pole in the corner of the ring. Uh, I don't remember who won, but I do remember Kidman getting a mouthful of Viagra and walking away with Shane Douglas's valets. Wait, he actually... He actually took the Viagra. I, Shane Douglas stuffed it in his mouth. So, okay. And then, so, and then Bill, and Billy said, well, guess what? Now I got a mouthful of Viagra here. I'm going to take your ladies. So, okay. So that's fine. I, I, this seems, um, let's see, it's the year 2000. It's so 2000. it's the year 2000. We're kind of in this new, like, we feel like everything that happened in the Jetsons, Jetsons should be here, but it's not. You know, I don't have a mm-hmm. moving sidewalk. 
or an apartment in the sky. But we can take pills that make our wieners hard. So I, yeah, <laughs> two thousand. That's, that's a medical term, correct? <laughs> yes, two thousand to two thousand two was a weird time. So I actually think this is true, but okay. <clears throat> but um, I would think that the winner, the person who eats the Viagra, is really the loser, right? That would be correct. Because it's like, oh, like, oh, sorry, that's not working out for you, bro. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Yeah, you had to get the Viagra and then stuff it in your opponent's mouth, I think. Yes. As if to say, hey, your equipment's not working. Let me help you out. Late WCW was a weird time. It was a weird time. I, in would, fact, I would agree. Yeah. That's not the weirdest thing that happened because around that same time, um, they had another match. They had a bunch of pole matches around that time. And the weirdest one, I think, was the Judy Bagwell on a pole match. <laughs> Who's Judy Bagwell? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm Googling probably. her. I'm Googling her. Judy Bagwell? Judy no, Bagwell. No, I, I, told, I told you no Googling. Go ahead. Go ahead. No Googling. No Googling. Probably the worst pole match was the one where Buff Bagwell's tag team partner and elderly mother Judy Bagwell was placed on a forklift by a pole. <laughs> Wait, Bag- it was his tag team partner. <laughs> she, they were they were tag team champions. What? Him and his yeah. mother? <laughs> yeah, him and his elderly mother. What in the world? <laughs> Bagwell this, won the what? match. It may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bagwell won the match, rescuing his mother from the dastardly canyon. This was a low point for Bagwell and Canyon, but a high point for Judy Bagwell, who reached her glass <laughs> ceiling in WCW in this marquee matchup. So, Brian, those are the five. Uh, one of those may not be real. They may all be real. What was, one of those... what was the time time period of the Bagwell match? That was also 2000. Oh, man. I I honestly think that one is false. Because okay. in, in the year 2000, it was all machismo. Um, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> some dude wrestling as a, with his mother as a tag team partner just seems way too, um, way too goofy to be, to have taken place in the year 2000 with WCW and WWF kind of sniffing their own farts and stuff at that time period. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. You're wrong. Ah. That was a real that was a real match. Ah. What a low point. Uh the, the ones left here, the, do you want me to just tell you or do you want to guess again? I just want you to t- I want you to tell me. The fake one is the Wicker Man match. Really? Yeah, that one never happened. I was trying to think of wow. a made-up match, and I saw my DVD of the original <laughs> Wicker Man sitting, okay. and I thought, oh, that sounds like something they would have done around that time. I Look, hats off to you, Jeff. That seems totally believable. That's a good idea. A actually. promotional thing, and then, of course, you know, The Undertaker dies again. Like, that seems, that seems so believable. I could have I written for WWE and... They don't have writers. It's all real, Jeff. They don't have writers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, it's all real. It's all real. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. There's a little wrestling history for you. Okay. All right. So that's it. Uh, 
that's that. Here we go. Time for final recommendations. Okay. All right. What's hey. your final recommendation here, Jeff? My final recommendation is WeReadABook.com. It's a great new website run by two very smart and handsome guys who read a book and then talk about that book. It's a book club, and you're all invited. I love this website, Brian, because I run it with my friend Stephen Barry. Yeah, this is my. This may be a shameless plug, but I really do feel it's a good website, and I think you might as well. It's a very shameless plug. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty shameless. Go <laughs> um, so check it out. We read a book.com. Uh, I forgot to think about my final recommendation, so I'm just gonna pick up what's off what's on my desk here. Uh, mm-hmm. Timex Weekender. It's a watch. Uh, I like it a lot. Very stylish. Has various uh, nylon slip-through straps that you can get for it that are very cheap. Easy to read. Two cons. One, doesn't show the date, which is a big con in my opinion. And It's two, a watch. Correct. Yeah. I need to know the date. Uh, okay. Other con, the second hand is very loud when it moves. Like, loud enough to where if I'm laying down for bed, this watch has to be in another room. Wow. Yeah. That's loud. But Does it get awkward in, like, uh, quiet social situations? Uh, not yet, no. Okay. But I will say, it's a very dependable watch. Uh, it was, like, 30 bucks. Very handsome. And just great in general. <laughs> so there right, you go. Good. Shameless plug for watches. Um Anything else to say before we cut out of here, Jeff? No, no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Yep, me too. I'm going to play our closing theme here. Okay. And I'm going to say thank you very much, listeners, for joining us and listening and reviewing things with us. Uh, We hope to see you back next time for another another episode of of, uh, Review Everything. Review review Everything. Review Everything. everything. That's kind of hard to get out to, to get off the tongue. It is a little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.